Hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. Happy June! Can you guys even believe that we're in June? It's June. June of 2022. I've had to do so much mental work. I feel like every podcast episode I talk about how I cannot understand the concept of time anymore, but it being June 2022 has absolutely blown my mind. I cannot believe we're halfway through this year. I have loved this year so far. It has been crazy. (laughs) I'm like, there have been a lot of highs, a lot of lows. It's been a lot. It's been a learning year. It's been a beautiful year so far. So I'm so excited for it to be summer. We're now moving into the second half of the year. We're going to be starting quarter three soon. It's just an exciting time to be alive. So I hope you guys are feeling good. I hope you're getting ready for the summer. I know this is going to be busy season for a lot of you. Um, So I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're putting systems in place so that you can, you know, be a human, have a life, have less stress outside of your job. Um, I'm so excited because the month of July, I am almost kind of entirely taking off. Um, I'm going to Spain, which I am incredibly excited for. I've been wanting to go to Spain since 2020. It was on my 2020 goals. Um, Obviously, that didn't happen, Um, but I'm so excited to be going now. Um, I'm going for two weeks with some friends and we're hopping around from like Madrid to Ibiza. We're going to a festival that I'm really excited about to see one of my favorite artists. Um, So a lot is happening. And on top of seeing my favorite artists at the festival, I just found out that David Guetta... (laughs) is playing when I'm in Ibiza, which for those of you who have been around for a long time, you know, I have an obsession with 2000s pop that is unlike anything else. I have like this 10 hour playlist that is my pride and joy. I'm probably as proud of it as I am my business. I'll link it for you guys. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing not to brag. Um, so the thought of seeing David Guetta actually brings tears to my eyes. However, if he doesn't play his 2000s bops, it will bring a different kind of tears to my eyes. So anyway, that's what's new around here. In the work sphere, we have a lot of exciting things coming up. We actually haven't launched anything new since Calling All Brands last year, which is kind of wild. Um, And so we have some really exciting launches coming out in the next couple months, including this week a new Instagram course. If you were already in the old Instagram course, you actually just get this update because we're replacing it. Um, But I'm super excited. It is called Intuitive Instagram. And it's really just how to maneuver this app in a way where the algorithm doesn't matter. It literally says like how to not give a shit about the algorithm. Um, Because we have one of the shittiest algorithms ever in the entire history of Instagram, I'm convinced. I've showed you guys the stats. We have like a 0.0 something engagement rate. Like it's It's literally horrendous. I don't know what happened to our Instagram, but in the last like three years, it just like absolutely tanked our account. There are days that we don't even get 100 views on our stories and we have 30,000 followers that we like built organically pre-algorithm. So it's kind of wild. However, we still use Instagram as like an incredible conversion tool. Um, It's not really a brand awareness tool growth wise. Like I don't focus on virality on Instagram. We focus on um, brand conversion and brand trust. And so that's what this course is all about is like how to use Instagram regardless of your follower account or your analytics to convert your audience and to use it intuitively and to actually use it strategically and intuitively rather than just focusing on increasing your engagement or increasing your followers like those things are important and we do touch on them because I think it's always important right to grow your platform however the focus with Instagram should be using it intuitively to create brand trust and then ideally brand conversion so I'm so excited that is coming out soon I can't as in soon as in like this week that you guys are listening to this. Um, I'm kind of wanting to do 
like a trust fall pricing thing. I don't know. I can't decide. I don't know if I want to do like a trust fall pricing type vibe for like the first 48 hours or if we want to do just like a special something for 48 hours. So stay tuned for that. Details will be on my Instagram. I'm making that decision this weekend and you guys are getting this podcast episode on Monday. So but the links for everything will be here in the show notes. Um, It is Instagram really has become one of my more favorite marketing tools as I've changed my mindset around it being, you know, algorithm based into it being a brand trust like tool. And so I love it and I'm excited to teach you guys how to do the same. So anyway, that's going to be in your bio, uh, in the bio, in the show notes. And speaking of intuitive marketing, we also just came out with a quiz. We partnered with Interact and we're going to have them on the podcast soon actually to talk about quizzes, which I'm really excited about. But um, we created a quiz on what marketing tool and platform is the best for you based on your personality because everyone gets so hung up on the amount of tools and marketing like platforms available to us and how you know you I mean you can just log into Instagram and you're gonna get like 90 different ads for a million different ways of marketing being like this is the one that works this is the one you need to do I actually had a coaching call consult this week where she sent me a list of like everything she wanted to do marketing wise and there was like 30 different tools on there and I was like oh okay yeah all of these work but you don't have to do all of them like you don't have to do every single tool available to you because they all work so what's more important is deciding which one's going to be fun and which one's going to work with your personality and then putting your energy into that and so this little quiz is to kind of just help you like hack maybe what you think is going to be best for you and answer some answer some questions about your personality and then tell you what marketing tools will be the best based on that so i will link that for you guys in the show notes as well Anywho, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. I am so excited. Today we have Stephanie Baron Hall of Nine Types Co. on the podcast, and she is just an Enneagram genius. The thing with Enneagrams, whenever I've done any research into them, I'm a one. Um, I think like almost a three, I think it was as well. Um, and sometimes when I do research on it, I just feel like I read the same thing over and over again. And it's like kind of helpful, but not really. And so I was super excited to have Stephanie on the podcast because she has such a different way of approaching the Enneagram. And even just like straight off out the gate on this episode, she gave us insight into each of the types and like what they're craving and what they need in a way that was so much more insightful than really anything else I've ever learned about Enneagrams. And so this episode was so helpful to not only understand the Enneagram better, but how to use it to help me both in my personal life and my business. So I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm excited for you to dive into it. It is incredible. You can do some research. We're going to link Stephanie's things for you in the show notes as well. I'm going to stop blabbering because there's absolutely nothing I'm going to say about the Enneagram that's even going to be one one millionth as helpful as this episode from Steph is going to be. So let's get into it. Hey, welcome, welcome. I am so excited to have you on the show today, Steph. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited. So for those listening that don't know who you are yet, can you give us a little introduction on yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Steph, but a lot of people know me as Nine Types Co on Instagram. Um, or, you know, my very loyal followers often joke that it's 90 Pesco because that's a little bit of how it looks. Um, but I talk about the Enneagram online. So I teach teams and organizations and individuals and courses and everything. I do a lot of writing for Instagram, my blog, all that sort of stuff. 
Um, and it's just all about the Enneagram, how to build self-awareness, um, cultivate more empathy, um, all those sorts of things that we really need this day and age. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So can you talk to us a little bit about what Enneagrams are for those who, you know, have maybe been like living under a rock and don't know what the Enneagram is, but can you give us like a little bit of a breakdown about how the Enneagram works? Sure. So it is a motivation-based personality framework. And those who, you know, know me, follow me, know that I always say it's more than just a personality test, but that's kind of the best word that we have um, to understand what it's like. So, um, like I said, it's motivation-based, so it's oriented around nine core motivation. So it's not looking at what you do, but why you do it, which kind of makes it unique. It's also very growth oriented. And so it's kind of highlighting some blind spots, illuminating things, just kind of taking a different perspective. And so I really, really enjoy that about this tool. Yeah. I've never heard a phrase that way, but I love that, that it's like more motivation-based than what you do. Um, can you give us a breakdown on the nine types? Is that too much to ask? I know that nine is kind of a lot, but do you like know that I'm assuming you know them off the top of your head? (laughs) Okay. So let's go over the nine types then. So, um, also this is going to be like a lightning fast overview, but there is so much more to all of it. And the way I teach the Enneagram is not even about nine types. I teach 27 types. Um, oh my so, God. Yeah. It's even more detailed and layered, which I love the complexity of the tool, but it's also one of those things that makes it really confusing. Um, but let's dive into the nine core motivations and then we can kind of go from there. So type one is often called the, the improver, which I don't always love the names for the types like reform or the improver or whatever, but I, I do like the improver for type one. Cause I think it really highlights what they're all about. So they're motivated by this need to be good, right. And correct. And it's not just being like good at things. It's actually about being morally ethically good. So kind of that, that sense of like, I'm a good person. And mm-hmm. they also kind of have this deep belief that they're not. So they're always trying to improve things, to perfect things, to make things better. Um, and they kind of have this belief that if everyone just did their part, the world would be a better place. So that's type one type two is motivated by this need to be loved, wanted, and needed. And a lot of the time they believe that their worth and their value as a human comes from, you know, their, their real like sense of being liked or or their likability, their, their lovability, how needed they are. And so they really are focused on meeting other people's needs and being there for others. Um, of course, as they grow, they learn, Hey, actually I have needs too. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's type two. So type three is motivated by this need to be, again, it's, it's about worth, but they, they believe their worth comes from how others view them and how others think about them. So they want this image of being admirable and valuable and successful and productive. And so those are really the, the key things for threes. And success for threes can be whatever their like family of origin or their own perception of success is. It's not necessarily about, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, for example. Mm -hmm. So then type four is motivated by this need to be it. it, Well, actually, before I even say this, fours all have different ideas of what really, truly motivates them because they're really, really good at understanding and looking at the nuance of what's happening behind the scenes. But I often teach that they're motivated by this need to find and know their truest sense of self and their most authentic self and to express 
that sense of self in the world. Um, and, and, and a lot of the time they also really want to be understood in that way. So then type five, um, is motivated by this need to be competent and self-sufficient. And the way that they most often do that is by decreasing their needs and they want to be, um, really self-sufficient in the sense that, um, they are not intruded upon by others. They don't need anything from anyone else and nobody else needs anything from them. And yeah, they were, they work really hard to maintain that. Mm -hmm. So we're like halfway through. <laughs> no, that's, I'm like, this is, I've also like never heard the, the framing of these. I feel like I always hear like the perfectionist, the achiever, like I hear like very short snippets of the type. Yeah. So I'm like, I love this. This is so helpful to understand them on a more like emotional need level as far as the types. Yeah. Go. Well, and I think what I, I really always want to bring home with it is, is that sometimes when we talk about the perfectionists or the helper or whatever, we're really naming a behavior, um, but we're not getting at why it's like that. And so that's why in my work, I keep the complexity and I think it can be long-winded at times, of course, but I think it's really, really helpful. So sixes are motivated by this need to feel certain and certainty to them is very hard to come by. And so they want to feel safe and secure and they are often driven by a lot of fear and they have a lot of, um, and it's not even always like conscious fear. It's often just like, okay, what could go wrong? Um, and they don't even have to consciously think that they are just like intuiting always like what might go wrong. Um, and thinking kind of in, in that realm. And so some sixes move away from fear and they really plan ahead, make sure that that fear can't actually touch them. Some sixes just rebel against it. They go at it hard, like, you know, straight out the gate. So they, if it's a six that, um, and this is what we call the counterphobic six, but if they're afraid of heights, maybe they go base jumping, you know, they're mm -hmm. doing something okay. like that, but it's all about that fear. So then we have type seven and sevens are motivated by this need to be free to explore the world of possibilities. They believe anything is possible and they just want to try it. They don't want to be trapped. They don't want to be pinned down. They really just want to expand into as many spaces as they possibly can. And so they do that often with a lot of optimism and joy and enthusiasm and those sorts of things. Then we have our eights and eights are motivated by this need um, to really protect themselves and they just don't want to be, um, betrayed or controlled by anyone else. And so they kind of have this tough exterior, but it's are really driven to make a big impact in the world. And so they, they care a lot about things like justice and about things like, like making an impact. I, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it can mean something different to every eight, but it's really important for them that they kind of have that sense of themselves and they tend to be very grounded as individuals. And then we have nines who are often called the peacemaker. Um, and nines are really motivated by this need to be, um, at peace internally and externally. And so they're really, really sensitive often to what feels like conflict. And so they're making sure that, um, you know, that they can kind of feel peace inside that others, you know, they have that harmony and relationships out outwardly, and they're kind of seeking that sense of balance, um, in, in both spheres. So those are the nine types. And, um, like I said, there's so much more to it, but that's just a really quick overview. No, that's like an amazing overview. Okay. Wait, what type are you? I want to know what type you are. Type three. Okay. I'm like, I, when I took it last, I was like almost 50, 51 and a three. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm like, threes are cool. I like threes. Um, okay. So how did you 
gets started in all of this? Because obviously you're saying like, that's a quick overview, but that was to me, I'm like, for someone that knows very little about the Enneagram, I'm like, oh my gosh, love so much information. So obviously, you know, your stuff, how did you get started in this? Like, how did you discover Enneagrams and like, what kind of ignited the passion for this? Yeah. So I think the passion has always been there. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I had this little like American girl book. I think that was like, if you like the color orange, then your personality is X, Y, Z. You know, I've always just been obsessed with those sorts of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to college and majored in psychology for that reason. Cause I just think that human personalities are so fascinating. Um, and then meandered a bit after that, but I've always loved the concept of bringing these tools into our lives and using them in really practical and effective ways. So my husband actually introduced me to the Enneagram 2015, I think. Okay. And I kind of brushed it off. I was like, eh, whatever, you know, but then a few months later, my sister, my older sister, classic older sister moves. She was like, Hey, you got to take this test. And of course I was like, fine, I'll do it. And so I did. And, um, I got the achiever on the, on this online test. And I was like, yes, I won, you know, <laughs> pretty soon thereafter, I was like, oh, I actually hate this. This sucks. It's terrible. Um, because I started seeing things in myself that I didn't like, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, it's really exposing that people can see this, you know, people can see this like shape-shifting tendency that threes tend to have. And I had, had just started noticing that. And I was like really blown away by that. So that's how that started. Um, and then also at the time I, so I just like, I'm the type of person when I get interested in something, I just go like headlong into it. I just research and I I do all the things. So at the time I had a a wedding industry business and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm tapering that out. Um, I was like, I need another hobby. So of course my hobby was to start another business. Um, (laughs) yep. Yep. There you go. Um, so I was like, I'm going to create mugs for the, the different Enneagram types. Like I heard on a podcast, somebody talked about the, how they did that for strengths finder. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do that for Enneagram. So I hired a designer. I created these, I actually created 18 different mugs and, um, our first, yeah. So our first holiday season, we sold out, um, or we, we remade the investment, but that's how nine types go got started really. Um, so that was 2017. And then people started asking me like, Hey, will you come talk to our group? Will you come teach this? And then, um, started asking questions and like, well, where's your certification from? And it just kind of snowballed from there. And I started noticing that people didn't really engage as much with my content when I talked about the mugs, but they engaged a lot when I talked about the tool itself. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how my Instagram started and really pivoted from there. Um, and that's in short, that's the story. So it's kind of grown from there. Love that. I had no idea that you started with mugs. I just like, love that. That's such a fun story. And I'm like, and I can totally relate to being like, oh, I need a hobby, but the hobby is always a business. <laughs> like I'm like, right. I need to be better about making hobbies that are not my business. <laughs> yes. It's not easy. No, I'm like, it's an intentional effort every time to be like, let's have a hobby. We don't monetize or turn into a business. <laughs> It can just be for fun. Um, Okay. So I know you mentioned like using this as a tool in our lives. What does that kind of look like? So for people that are just kind of starting to figure out what their Enneagram are, say they took the test, like how do you start using this as a tool in your personal life or business life? Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I think is 
I actually have an entire like self-typing guide for people to figure out their type, because what I find is that a lot of the time people will take an online assessment and then they're like, well, that doesn't really resonate. So whatever, mm-hmm. this is like just bullshit basically. Mm-hmm. So what I actually find is to take that online assessment and then go into like, okay, well, what really motivates me? What really resonates from this and start observing yourself. And that is not really easy because one, a lot of us have self-judgment. Like a lot of us have that inner critic, um, no matter your type, anyone can have that. Um, so that tends to be pretty harsh and can mean that we don't want to look at those sides of ourselves that are, are more difficult. Um, and then the second thing I think is that a lot of us just aren't used to thinking about why we're doing what we're doing because it's not super easy. Like it's not like natural necessarily. We're just trying to survive. And I think slowing down a bit and saying, okay, well, what actually is happening here? What's really going on here is very important. So I would recommend first starting there and just looking at what resonates, what doesn't resonate and just getting really curious about yourself. Um, and then one thing that I think is really helpful is to reflect on like times when you got really angry or upset and like what was happening in those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you can think the next time that you're noticing that maybe you can start to be like, huh, okay. I'm noticing like, this is really causing this defensiveness in me or, or whatever it is. And then observing that maybe taking a step back, processing it and just making that space to notice. That's all I really want people to do at the very beginning is just to notice those patterns. Because I think a lot of us know that things are keeping us stuck where we don't want to be stuck, but we don't know why, and we don't know how to change. So I think being able to get some space from those patterns is how we actually can do that. That's so interesting. And I love the prompt of like thinking about times that you're really angry or really defensive, because I think that isn't something we like to reflect on that often because it's uncomfy. And I think when people take these quote unquote personality tests, right. They're just like, Oh, cool. This will give me like some tips and tricks to just like move forward in my life. And I don't think people, and I know I haven't like necessarily been like, Ooh, what almost like wounds can this help me heal so that I can become a better person or like see why I react to things or see what's causing these things in my life. Yeah. That to me is the real work and the real purpose of this. Um, to the point where honestly, it's probably a little too much. Like I probably just need to chill out a little bit, <laughs> all this stuff. Um, but it's something that takes up a lot of my, my thought life. Um, like questions, like, is this aligned? Is this, does this feel ethical for me? Like, does this, you know, set up and set me up in a way that I want to like live my life, all those sorts of questions. Um, but even before we do that, I think most people that I talk with the way the Enneagram impacts them initially is in their relationships, Mm -hmm. because the second you start realizing, okay, you have a different motivation than I do. So if you maybe I don't know. This is easy. I, I always have a couple of examples that I use, but I once had a coworker who would like reform, like we worked in Google, like in spreadsheets a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I would just be dumping data into the spreadsheet and then she would be reformatting it over me as I went. 
And I remember at the time being like, oh my God, this is so annoying. Do you think that I'm that incompetent that I can't do that? Um, and learning the Enneagram and, and getting space from that was helped me to be like, oh, like maybe if I were doing that, that would be like a really passive aggressive way to be like, you're incompetent. So I'm going to help you. Um, maybe that's what I would do, but maybe what she's doing is actually genuinely wanting to help. Like she's not trying to irritate me. Maybe mm. like, maybe there's something, maybe, I mean, maybe she is, but like, I can automatically think like, okay, just be, now that I know I have a specific motivation, I can think she probably has a different motivation. Mm. So you, again, you're building in that space, that empathy to where you're not making those assumptions. And it mm. really helps relationships because you're no longer just assuming the worst. <laughs> like you no, yeah. are more curious. That makes sense. What do you feel like? Do you feel like this has had like an impact in the way that you communicate with people as well? Definitely. And I think I really tend to be focused on, you know, really being thoughtful about the way that I communicate things, especially knowing, you know, my type, there are a lot of stereotypes around just being like all about yourself and like, look at me, look at me, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And so I, I think that there's a lot of like thought that goes into, okay, do I feel that way? Am I acting that way? Like all that sort of stuff. But also even just like with my husband, for example, um, so I'm a three, he's a one. Um, and so one of the things that ones tend to be really sensitive about, well, both threes and ones can be very sensitive to criticism for different reasons, but ones tend to be really sensitive about feeling like they are to blame. So Mm -hmm. like anything that goes wrong, ones tend to be like, I'm not to blame here. Like it wasn't my fault because it's, it's that desire inside to say, I'm a good person. Like I'm good. Like I'm a Mm -hmm. good person. Um, and, and good people don't do things wrong. And so I have to deny that I was wrong. Right. Um, and so it's really helpful for me to learn in those conversations to say, Hey, like you did not do anything wrong. And I'm not saying that, um, I am saying this and and to just verbalize that because when I do that, then he's able to be like, Oh, wow, I'm getting defensive about something that I don't need to be defensive about. Yeah. And obviously I'm very fortunate because I have a partner who's also maybe not into the Enneagram necessarily, but very invested in his own personal work. So that means that we have these conversations. He's very open to talking about these things. We can identify them. Um, but it's been super helpful. Yeah, no, that is so helpful to be able to have like an open communication about like what you're both trying to achieve out of a situation. And I think that's such an amazing perspective. And I love that shift again on like thinking of the Enneagram as like how you're wanting to feel rather than necessarily like the achiever, the whatever. Cause then, yeah, it's like in a situation and you can be like, oh, I am just trying to feel like I'm a good person and that's where this is coming from. Or I'm trying to feel like I'm successful and that's where this is coming from. I think that's Mm -hmm. such an amazing perspective on how to view not only your own behavior, but the people in your life. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a shift. And I, in a lot of ways, I don't understand how people get through life without like having at least some tool to like, look at these things and look at relationships. Yeah, no, I'm like, it's nice to have a little blueprint on what, (laughs) (laughs) what's causing it. So talk to me a little bit. I know you said that you work with 27 types. What are these other 18? What does that mean exactly? Yeah. So I talk a lot about subtypes. So subtypes, um, are actually the combination of the nine Enneagram types. So we have those 
and this other theory called instinctual variants. And what that means is we all have these survival instincts. They're not the only ones we have. We have lots of survival instincts, but in this framework, um, there are these other three instincts, um, that we have that are like animal instincts, meaning that they really come from this core part of ourselves. And in the same way that a lot of animal instincts, you know, they're very ingrained. These can really run the show more than we realize, um, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to behavior. So with the Enneagram, we're looking at the why, but with the instincts, we're really looking at how they show up, like how your they show up in your behavior in your life. So these instincts are self-preservation, um, which is basically like, I'm responsible for myself and my own survival. So a lot of self-preservation people are really concerned about financial security, um, their own personal security, like food, health, things like that. Um, then we have social. So the social people are basically, if the herd survives, I survive. So they're really looking for the sense of belonging and the sense of, you know, the social group, that's a, a big concern. And then we have sexual, or sometimes it's called one-to-one. -one. If I teach in your organization, I'll call it one-to-one, -one, but <laughs> I love the term sexual for how it really identifies the really like the strength of it. Like it's, this one is about building that one-on-one -on -one connection with a specific other person. Um, so finding that, finding that spark. And it's also about finding that zeal, the adrenaline in general. So it, it can kind of be both. Um, so when we take these three instincts and we overlay them with the nine Enneagram types, then we have 27 distinct types. So say you are a three, for example, um, then you could be a self-preservation three, a social three, or a sexual three. So one of those three types would be your subtype. That makes sense. Okay. I've never heard of that. I'm like, I need to like take those tests or whatever. I'm like, that sounds so fascinating. And I think that's a, I love learning about like subtypes of types or even like the wings. I know the wings are a big thing with Enneagrams too. So I'm like, I feel like it's so helpful to just understand the different facets of how you identify with the types. Obviously this sounds like it's impacted your personal life quite a bit and like how you navigate those relationships. Do you feel like, I mean, obviously your business is about Enneagram, so it's impacted it in the fact that that's what it's all about, but how do you feel like navigating types, understanding the Enneagram has impacted like the way that you run your business, um, your employees, like things like that. Like how has it impacted your business life? Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, one of the big things is that for me, my tendency is to be like, oh my gosh, I have this idea and I want it done yesterday. Like, so that is a huge thing. And I think a lot of threes really resonate with that because it's like, oh my gosh, let's just get this done. Like, what, why are we waiting around? Like it, it should be done yesterday type of thing. Um, and so I have a lot of like big ideas and big plans and, and all those sorts of things. Um, and so that is one of the ways that it, it really drives that. But I think the other way for me, is the awareness that I can really easily have a tendency to overwork myself to, and, and to overwork my employees, which I, I think early on when I was managing people, I did. And I feel like now I don't have that tendency as much. Um, or I'll just check in and be like, Hey, is this too much? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like that's been the major thing is, is actually noticing, okay, I am thinking that I can get, you know, a quarter's worth of work done in a week and identifying that and, and understanding, oh, this is why I feel like I'm failing. It's not because I am failing. It's because my expectations were so outrageous, basically. Mm. Um, 
So that's like one of the big ways that it impacts me. Um, I would say the other thing is that I really have that, like kind of what I was saying earlier, where I have that understanding that I could probably really easily grow something that's like really profitable, but not aligned Mm. and just like go for the numbers, but not go for like what actually feels good to me. Um, and so it's been a process for me of like working on, okay, actually like, let me pull back a bit and figure out what actually is aligned, what, what actually does feel, feel right in this scenario. And so it's been an adventure I'd say, but it, it's still in process. Yeah. I can really resonate with that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the same personality where like I get an idea and then I'm like, oh, we should have done this 24 hours ago. So let's do it all right now. And let's just like not stop until it's done. Um, how do you kind of suggest that people do like look at their Enneagram and start implementing it into their business? Like how can they use these types in order to better their professional life? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is just to notice what are your natural strengths? Um, so they don't have to be specific to the Enneagram. Um, but looking at, you know, what do you naturally do really well? And then how can those strengths actually help some of your weaknesses? And like I said, the Enneagram is really about the blind spots. And in all of my writing, I try to keep that like a more positive perspective. Cause I know a lot of people take an Enneagram assessment and then they just feel beaten down by it. Mm. And I just don't find that that's very helpful in terms of actually changing. So looking at your strengths and using those to develop. So for example, if you are somebody whose strength is like being really resourceful, but you are like, I cannot get out of bed on time. I don't know why that is like in there feel really frustrated about it. Okay. Well, what other resources, like, how can you use that resourcefulness and, and those like problem solving skills to solve that problem? Um, and so maybe it's like you make your phone play a song that like you can't help, but dance to, you know, mm. um, or you change the setup in your bedroom or you like do whatever you need to do, um, at night so that in the morning you feel better about it. So I don't know if that's like necessarily a fantastic example, but I think it's really leveraging how you naturally think about things mm. to do the thing that you want to do, but feel is difficult. I love that. Yeah. No, like focusing on the strengths in order to overcome things rather than like using it to point out blind spots. Love that. Yeah. I think for business, especially. Yeah. I'm like, and I think what's nice too, is I always talk about like how our businesses and personal lives are so intertwined and like our businesses often run in a way that are just like our personalities. And so identifying these things personally, will just like should bleed pretty seamlessly into your business as well. Okay. Well, talk to us a little bit about like, what's next for you? Like what's coming up? What are you excited about? Like, how are you hoping to change the world with all of this amazing Enneagram knowledge? Yeah. Um, so I am working on a new podcast that I've been recording for a few months now. Oh, that's so um, exciting. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about like how we are more than just our type. Right. And, and like looking at that behind the scenes and going in and interviewing a lot of people that are, a lot of them are just my friends that I've just gotten to know, um, mm -hmm. over the years, but so just interviewing people about what it's actually like to be their type and hearing their stories. Um, and then I'm also offering workshops every month. Um, I'm not sure when this will come out, but I am planning to offer subtypes. So if anyone was curious about that, exciting. Um, 
Yeah. And then Enneagram for entrepreneurs, um, and lots of different topics. So I have like a million ideas, but I'm working on pacing myself so that I don't, um, do them all at once. (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah, I also just, I have a course that I really, really love. Like it's so fun because I get to talk with people like in person about virtually in person. Yeah. I might live in person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. About what it's like to work through these things and and puzzle through like what's going well and and what's not and and how they're actually applying their Enneagram knowledge in their lives. Um, and so I, I really work with people to help them do that application piece, which can be the hardest part. So those are kind of the next things that I'm really excited about them. That's so exciting. And I just love the idea of, yeah, being able to use this knowledge to better, like all the aspects within your life and not necessarily just hyper-focusing on like a gap or a problem or like one thing specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think my perspective in general is taking a more holistic approach, you know, um, even on the concept of what is growth, like, what does that look like? And, and really taking a, a different perspective on that. So yeah, I, I just love working with people on those topics. Did you ever think that you would be working with so many people, like as much as you have, like, did you anticipate, like, I think that's such a fun aspect of your job is that you're getting to meet so many people and like understand them on such a psychological level that like not many people do in the professional world. Like, how has that been? Did you anticipate that? No, I don't think so. And I think also, I mean, okay. My tendency as a three is to be like, well, I've done it. So it's easy. Like anyone could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, like to think that anything I've accomplished is like no big deal. Um, Mm. but I think one of the really cool things that I feel really honored by is how many people have just shared their stories with me. Like I'll often put up a question sticker and people will, you know, give their response by their Enneagram type. And I just love that. Like, I love that they're, that they share that with me. And I have so many, like thousands and thousands and thousands of answers, um, to all of these different questions, which is such a cool kind of database that I have to be able to learn about them, um, and to understand them and and to figure out actually what's not super accurate about what Mm. I'm writing and what needs to be changed and how people are experiencing those different things. I just think it's so fascinating. So I feel really honored that people even follow me, that people are even interested. That's amazing. And yeah, like incredible to be able to have this knowledge and then to also have like real time humans, like giving you more data on how to adjust and pivot like those observations. That's incredible. Yeah. It's really fun. I love that. Okay. Well, I'm thank you so much for coming on and for telling us all of this incredible, like knowledge and wisdom. Um, we end every guest podcast episode with the same question and it's my favorite thing to hear, but we asked every guest what the best piece of advice is that they've ever received. Yeah. This actually came from one of the question stickers that I mentioned, Mm. like I asked Mm -hmm. people, um, what's like a, an affirmation or a mantra that they often use. Um, and one, a a fellow three actually said one of hers was, I'm the only one who can create the mindset that I need. Oh, and I love that because threes, a lot of the time are looking around to see like, Hey, am I doing better or worse or, or whatever? And, and looking at others for that sense of validation. So I love that it, it really turns things inward. Oh, I love that. I think that's so great for everyone too. I'm like, yeah, you're the only one that can create that. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, tell us where we'll link everything in the show notes, obviously, but like, tell us really quick where everyone can find you on the internet. Yeah. You can find me at 
nine types co on Instagram. It's all spelled out. Um, you can find me on my website, which is nine types.co. Um, no www that does not work. So nine types.co. Um, and I have a blog and I will soon have a podcast. I send email newsletters, um, about, things that are Enneagram adjacent, but not necessarily Enneagram specifically, which is always really fun for me. Um, and there's always new stuff coming. So it's all there on my Instagram for the most part. And yeah, thanks so much for having me. Okay. We'll link everything in the show notes for you guys, but thank you so much Steph for coming on. This was so amazing. I'm excited to go take all the tests and do all of the things. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. We will see you guys next time. 